Blog Talk Radio. monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Each month, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, This month, our guest is Mr. Thomas Whitby. Tom is a retired English teacher, blogger, radio show host, and Twitter mogul with over 81,000 followers. So welcome, Tom. Thank you very much, Brian. Glad to have you. And to our faithful listeners, welcome back. And thank you for being part of our family of over 5,000 listeners every month. And to our new listeners, we're glad that you joined us. Um, Today, we're going to talk to Tom about his work, helping educators understand the importance of being connected. Not arm in arm, as you might say, but connected to colleagues locally and globally, how to use technology and be smart in their use of technology. So, Tom, I, I, as I told you when we were about to go online, really impressed with the work that you're doing and um, the work that you're using to uh, help educators um, be connected. So, tell us a little bit uh, first um, how you how you got started with you know you started out as an English uh, for your former English teacher. Um, how you got involved um, using technology. Um, as a teacher. Uh, well, is that a, I, I got involved um, with using technology for collaboration um, out of sheer necessity, as a matter of fact. I had been a, a, an English teacher for 34 years, and I had an opportunity to um, work as an adjunct professor in education at a local college, St. Joseph's College. And I figured after being an English teacher for 34 years, I could teach anybody how to do it. And I went in, and, and after, after one day of classes, I decided I had no idea what I was doing. So uh, what I did was I, I was on LinkedIn at the time. I had formed um, a group on LinkedIn for um, technology-using professors. I wanted to, to, to gather a group of professors who were using technology and, and teaching kids how to use technology uh, you know, within, within the classroom whenever possible. So I formed that group on LinkedIn, and it's, as a matter of fact, it's still running today. This is probably about 10 years ago. Wow. And um, from, I think it's got about 20, probably 20,000 professors are on it now. Um, wow. And, and I'm, I'm very, I'm hardly involved with it at all anymore. Um, but, but what happened from that was the conversations within that, uh, people were, were often making comments using, referring to URLs that were very short. Uh, they, they were like bit.ly um, URLs. And, and I had asked where they got that from. And it, it always came back Twitter. You know, Twitter, we, we got this from Twitter. So that's when I started to investigate what Twitter was all about. And in getting onto Twitter, I did what, what probably 85% of all people on Twitter did do. I, I got on, uh, tried it out for about a week or two, figured out I didn't know what it was. And then I dropped off for about two or three months until somebody explained it to me. And then okay. once that happened, I get back on and, and I kind of knew what I was doing at that point. Um, and, and again, that, that's, that's all about 10 years ago. And then since then, 
um, it has been the lifeblood of, of what I refer to as, as my PLN, my, my professional learning network. It's, it's the backbone of that network. Um, it enables me to, to create collegial sources and, and um, contact those collegial sources for, for any needs that I might have. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. I, and I think um, a lot, as you said, a lot of people um, even kind of jump into technology that way, um, looking on the Internet. You know, it's hard to tell what is uh, going to be useful or not. Um, uh, just even thinking about what you said about LinkedIn, um, it took me a long time to even join. Um, and now yeah. it has become a very valuable resource for me in terms of being connected to people in different places. Um, um, so just kind of shifting to, so you, you got involved with Twitter. Um, what, what did you see or what do you see happening out there in terms of, of uh, professionals and the exchange that happens between educators? Because, you know, we see a lot of things happening on Twitter with regard to kind of the latest and greatest with uh, uh, news reports and 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 opinion editorials, but um, I, I, I got to admit, I I really don't think about Twitter in terms of being a resource, as you put it, for um, for educators. Tell us well, how, did, how how do you use it in that way? Well, Twitter was not set up for for the way educators use it. Educators developed um, Twitter in a way that, that made it um, collaborative, more collaborative than it was intended to be. Um, by that, I, I mean, when, when educators exchange ideas, they often say, you know, here's an article that you should read, or here's a film you should look at, or here's um, um, a radio show you should listen to. And, and now that, that technology has moved in and all of these um, media components are now located uh, through links, we can simply give the link out to people. And, mm-hmm. and that has ena- enabled educators to take the, the very information that they always recommend to other educators to look at and in, in a very short form, send that information to them and exchange ideas. You know, the, the whole idea of, of collaboration, for instance, um, it has, has been enhanced by Twitter. And, and collaboration is nothing new. We've had collaboration from the beginning of time. But, but the difference in the collaboration then and the collaboration now is, is both space and time. Um, in order to collaborate in the, in the very early days, you had to be in the same location at the same time with somebody to do that. And, and that's how collaboration took place. Today, that's not necessary. You can collaborate with anybody in the world at any time. And, and, and that, that one factor has enabled us to uh, reach out to people that we were not exposed to prior to this. Um, I, I have um, sources that I have developed over 10 years now so, so that I've got 81,000 followers. I follow about maybe 4,000 people back. And no, I don't read their tweets every day. There's no way to do that. But, but the people that I, that I follow are people who, um, whose views I respect based on, on different things that they put out on, on Twitter. Uh, they're mainly educators. Uh, many of them are authors. Many of them are bloggers. Um, there are very few politicians on there. 
but but they are people that that I can reach out to and ask questions of and get answers to that before this point in time it was impossible to do if that mm. makes sense no absolutely absolutely it does um and you know I, there are a couple of groups that I belong to on LinkedIn just as an example and and it's amazing how how um I've seen people use it I've not yet used uh, it that way, but I can only imagine, you know, I've been to your, your PLN and, uh, um, and I, I can only imagine that with that number of people sharing information, how powerful that can be, um, where, you know, whether it is, and I've, I've seen where you've, you've uh, shared TED Talks or, or, but even um, there was one that I thought was really fascinating. Um, it was, um uh, on Bloom's taxonomy, and and I it, I think it was saying flipping Bloom's uh, for some purpose, but um, but the whole point is that there are things that people have found, like yourself, have found useful, helpful, and you never know when you might you might be able to use some of it. How are you? Well, the, the, the other thing, the other thing that the other thing that's offered, Brian, is is transparency in education. Um, you know, there was a there was a time when when districts could do whatever it was they wanted to do and and tell their teachers this is the way it is around the world this is this is the way we're going to do it here, when in fact teachers connecting with other teachers around the country and around the world are finding out that these are not necessarily true, you know, teachers are comparing stories as to how they do things and, and what goes on, and and as a result, um, they're expanding their experience and and changing the way they educate their children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a prime example of that was was back in a time when um, uh, educators were, were banning the Internet in, in schools. Um, they, they, they feared the Internet. They felt that it was, a, you know, a horrible thing, that, that kids were going to be transported away by, by uh, pedophiles. And, and, and what happened was more and more educators um, connected and said, here's what we're doing in our school and here's how we handle this. And, and here's how we monitor what our kids do. And, and those three laws that, that administrators kept throwing up against um, having the Internet in school, they found out those laws were, were not for the purpose of banning the, the Internet. They were built for the purpose of just making sure it was monitored. So when we talk about FERPA and COPA, um, the, those, those laws, uh, they – they were not being applied the way they should have been applied. So, so as a result, uh, most schools now have students and faculty, because faculty were even banned from the Internet within schools. Most schools mm-hmm. are using the Internet as a source for learning, and this is where all the open source learning comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you anticipated my, next, my, my question I was going to ask um, is, what are you hearing people say about the way – or, or how they, how useful they're finding these um, uh, blogs and networks. Um, uh, what's making them work for them? Um, and and from what I'm hearing, you're saying that it it makes it transparent. They they actually know what other people are doing. Yeah, uh, it's uh, again, it's it's offered transparency in education. People can can compare notes to to what's going on in their schools with with people who are having problems in other schools um, and, and see how things were handled. And, and as a result, um, 
you know, more knowledge about what's going on is very helpful in, in opening up the, the doors to, to new ideas and innovations. Mm-hmm. And, and these innovations are being, again, shared through these, these connections that people are making using the technology. And it's not just Twitter. It, it, it's a number of things um, that enable people to, to connect with other, you know, educators to connect with educators. Uh, let, let me ask you know, you if, if you, if, for instance, if you and I, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're connecting right now. We're using we're using a radio podcast, and and mm-hmm. you and I are sharing this information that that is also going out to other people who can then access it. We we couldn't do this ten years ago, and right. it's being done right. now. You're you're doing it on a weekly basis, which is something that that is is more and more unique. You're 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 podcasting your blog, which is which is a great way to get this information across. One of the reasons right. why you asked me here was because you think that, that teachers who don't have this knowledge should have this knowledge. And, and in discussing this openly on this podcast, we can share it with those teachers who need it most. And, and yeah. again, once that's done, we're, we're, we're opening up the windows and, and, and letting in the light. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. What is the biggest, roadblock um would you say that you hear people saying why they don't use it um you know or why you know why they may decide not to use it um and let me just say one other thing is given that you know you can do google searches or yahoo searches bing searches and you can say i'm going to look for something specific um, like what, what is it that makes this something that isn't obvious, um, that it's, it's easier to use, um, and be connected with other educators? I guess is, is more the question. Well, it, the, the biggest obstacle to, to change is, is comfort. Um, mm-hmm. people get, get, get very comfortable in doing what they have always done and they want to continue doing that. And in order to, to use technology, and, and uh, advance yourself by, through connections, you really have to put yourself out there a little bit. It kind of changes the way we think. Um, you know, we're all victims of, of a 20th century education, um, whether we're teachers or students. Students today are being affected by their teachers who are, are stuck in that 20th century model. And, and we're in the 21st century, so things have to, have to change. We're not in that 20th century model anymore. And just the mere fact that we've got the ability to connect and collaborate with people in, in a way that we were never able to do in the 20th century kind of change, changes everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what we have to realize as educators is that we're not preparing our students for the 20th century. We're preparing them for where they're going to live in the 21st century. And, and, and that is nothing like what our experiences have been. So if we've got educators who are comfortable doing what they have always done and, and don't want to enter into the 21st century, we're at, we're at a loss because there's a new literacy now dealing with technology. Mm-hmm. And, and well, if you as an educator are, are illiterate in the area of technology, it makes you an illiterate educator, and we don't need illiterate educators to, to help our students who need all of the help they can get to move into a world and, and, and thrive and compete uh, mm-hmm. using technology because that's what they're going to have to do. 
Sure, sure. And and there are a lot of people that still fear technology. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of a lot of teachers even that still fear it. Um, uh, and and the way um, they respond uh, often is that we you know we need to make sure our students are getting the basics. Um, I often um, have spoken with teachers and I've I've said you know we're living in a in an age where you know these students don't know a time as we do without cell phones you know so you've got students that have been have come through entire systems where everyone has always had a cell phone and that, that hasn't yeah. always been the case but now and then so we go from where everyone has always had a cell phone to now everyone has always had internet access on their cell phone right and and now that's that's commonplace. I mean, even in some of the most remote places in the world, that is the case. And and so my my next question for you is, how do you see teachers? Is there a systematic way that teachers are being oriented or reoriented to um, how to get information on their own uh, by using? I mean, I th- I'm just fascinated by the educators PLN, um, but it is, you know, that these are networks that I think a lot of people don't know about. So you said yeah. 81, I mean, I mean, there are a lot, you know, 81,000, that's a lot of people, but think yeah. about the millions of people that are out there, right, that are educators in America's public schools, that these, re- these resources are there, and, and I think for the most part, there's still a fear about how to go and use them and, and, and why I use them. So, yeah, I, so you know, I, when you, when you initially started asking this question, you referred to, to teachers wanting to, to stick with the basics. The problem is the basics of today's students and their needs are not the same basics that educators are familiar with. Mm-hmm. That's how fast technology has changed things. And, and, and that's the force that we have to deal with is, is the constant rapid change in our own society. We are living in uh, a computer-driven society. And, and as a result, information changes very quickly. And the way we, we um, absorb or, or, or uh, consume that information is, is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to the library and, and, and looking up in an encyclopedia. We're, we're using other references. We're, we're, going to, we're going to Google. We're going to YouTube. We're going to, you know, a hundred other things. Or we're just accessing the Internet um, in, in areas that, that, that concern us. So, so these are the basics um, that, that kids have to deal with today. That's why uh, uh, the, the whole idea of, of, um, of thinking has to be different. We have to become critical thinkers. And, mm-hmm. and, and before this, that was not stressed as much as it should be. I mean, we have to, you hear so much about fake news today. We have to have kids being able to access information and determine whether or not it's coming from a real source in order for it to be valid. Uh, these, are, these are the basics that we have today, and, and, and they're not all being addressed. But the, the, as far as adults using this, you know, one of the things that, that, I've been 
very much in favor of is, is changing the way we do professional development. Professional development for educators is pretty much left up to the educator. And what we're finding is that there is a difference between adult learning and, and the way kids learn. And, and one of our problems uh, is that whenever we have um, workshops to be done or um, someone is going to be in charge of professional development for their building, these educators go to what they are familiar with. And what they're familiar with is what they've been trained for in, in colleges, and that's pedagogy. The, the, the pedagogy has been drilled into their heads because they would be working with kids, and that's the way kids learn. So when they present anything, they go to their pedagogy to present it to people for professional development who are adults. And the problem is adults don't learn the same through pedagogy. They learn through what's called andragogy. Andragogy is adult learning, and there are some basic differences in the motivations to learn. Um, for instance, um, adults are more or less internally motivated. They're, they're self-directed. They have a reason for wanting to learn things, and, and, and with that reason, they will learn the things that they need to learn. Now, you as an educator know that there are things that you must learn and things that, that you, you have to learn in order for you to um, best teach your students. So, so that becomes your professional motivation for learning. Um, the, the other thing, too, is that um, adults are, are very goal-oriented. They, they, they want to uh, learn something for a specific reason. And, and once that, that goal is reached, they'll move on to other things. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they also want to, to bring life experiences with them to their learning. You know, in, in professional development, you could be the, um, an expert in an area and you're sitting in with a group of adults talking about a specific subject, and I guarantee you there may be two or three adults in that room that know more about the subject than you do, yet they're, they're there for the professional development. They want to bring those experiences with them into the conversation. That's why collaboration has become so important. Um, the, the other thing is that, that adults are practical. They want to learn something today, and they want to be able to use that tomorrow. You know, and, and teachers are very much like this. Um, they also um, need to be respected as learners, um, and we often don't do this with students. Um, they're not respected as learners, unfortunately, because they're thought to be, um, you know, we, we respect them as individuals, but not necessarily as learners. So, mm -hmm. so we tend to want to give them all of the information that they need rather than having them explore the information and learn it for themselves. Um, it, it doesn't work that way with adults. You can't do that. Adults have to be involved in their own learning. They have to own their own learning. And we're, we're doing this more and more with our own students. So, mm -hmm. so student voice has become um, a, a subject that, that we're, we're discussing more and more. Kids really should have a say in what it is they learn. Because anybody, adult or child, if, if they take ownership of their learning, they will learn faster and they, they will learn more deeply than, than anything that you can present to them in, in a lecture or direct instruction. Now, we need lecture and direct instruction. It will always be part of what we do, but it should not be the focus of, of all educators. And, and unfortunately, in the 20th century model, it, it was. Uh, we're looking more and more to collaboration and, and uh, project-based learning and problem-based learning in order for kids to, to really um, understand what's going on. And we're doing the same thing with adults now, too.
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, what would you or how would you encourage people who are in roles such as principals and supervisors or even, you know, coaches, um, how can they support uh, teacher networks um, and you know, not just social networks, but um, um, professional learning networks? How, what can they do? Um. I, they they have to change their mindset the, the way they they address things unfortunately you know with the system that we have set up professional development we we've been doing for for hundreds of years and we've always done it the same way and quite honestly the one thing that that most teachers agree upon if there's only one subject that you can find that they're going to agree upon the highest percentage of teachers agree on the point that they are not satisfied with the professional development they get. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and that has to change. We have to make professional development part of the job. It has to be done not, not once a year, but it's got to be done on, on a, a weekly, if not daily basis. And it's got to be supported, prioritized, and, and money has to go to it. Because if we're going to better educate our kids, we have to first better educate their educators. Mm-hmm. And the changes are taking place so rapidly because of this technology influence that we can't keep up with the changes. So the, the model that, that has been used in the past has been um, a day of professional development in the beginning of the year, and then it's not even talked about for the rest of the year, which mm-hmm. is just crazy. So, so the models now are starting to change more and more so that um, – it is being supported in that once you go through a workshop or a series of workshops involving um, the change that you want to make in, in delivery of, of curriculum, that they're supported by teacher coaches. And these coaches, their job is not teaching students, but to work with the teachers in the things that they have learned, to give mm-hmm. them support during the course of the year, to go actually go into the classroom and model for that teacher ways to do things and that teacher can can then get feedback from the coaches and and this is the way things will begin to change and not every administrator is on board with that because it's really uh, an expensive way to go but but again it has to be prioritized if we're going to better educate our kids we must better educate their educators Right. And, you know, we at, at uh, Teachers College um, in, in organization and leadership, we are, in fact, training um, our, our principals and our superintendent uh, candidates um, in that way. Um, and we, we model that quite well. Um, you know, and, and, and I'll start out by saying it's not easy um, to, to shift your your mindset around what needs to happen when you're talking about professional development. Um, I know we've right. been talking about connections, but you know what what really it, from a professional development point of view, and having just completed a workshop, a full day workshop just yesterday, um, and working with a group of assistant principals um, in in North Carolina and. Um, one, one thing that, that I realized, um, and not that it was just yesterday, but just the importance of them being able to learn from each other. And in fact, the feedback that we've received at times um, is that 
they, they, we've had people say things like, um, we'd like to spend some additional time learning from the experts in the room. And I think that's where, you know, where what we're talking about here is that what I see happening in those professional learning networks that you're relying on people that are members to be experts and say, here's, here's, you know, going to be in their own, um, their own think tank, if you will. But it's that um, here's what I learned and this might be helpful to someone. Here's something I use and I'm just going to put it out there to share it. And they, they, they value it. They, they learn a lot from each other and it makes a huge difference in their practice that just, that's, Almost just that's the know. that's the impact that's the impact of collaborative learning is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they, they're 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 actually sharing ideas with people who are doing what it is everybody does. That that's yeah. why many many educators are, are wary of consultants who come in who who are just consultants and and are not educators or haven't been educators sure, um, sure. because they they don't have that same experience. And and as educators sitting in the audience of these groups. Um, many of those educators question the the ability for those consultants, and I'm not saying all consultants, but some consultants, right. to to sure. get those ideas across and have them be accepted by the professionals in the audience. Right, and and because they want to hear from people who have been in the in the trenches, so to speak. Right. They want to hear and and know it's and you know, sometimes people trading war stories or something like that, but it is, is something that I, I, I have come to um, respect a lot of that the educators in the room have the, the wisdom and the information generally they need to, to make the changes that are required right now, that it's in the room. Facilitators really just need to be experts at bringing it out. They don't have to. And they, they give, they, but, but one factor that has to be added to that is that they have to be given moving forward from that workshop. They have to be given time for more collaboration and they have to yes. be given support for what it is they're doing in order for I, that whole thing to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree 100 percent. Well, um, Tom, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule um, and, and talking with us. Um, you'll see that I've signed up for your Educators PLN, and I, I'm looking forward to being, uh, be, you know, learning from all the people that are there. Um, to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this month. Um, ask that you join us on March 21st. Next show is at 2 p.m. on March 21st, where our guests will be Dr. Kathy Schultz, um, who is going to discuss how to engage introverted students in the classroom and in the school. Um, so it's been wonderful. Again, Tom, um, you've shared a lot for us. Um, we really appreciate you. And to the listeners, until next time, go well, stay well.